Hey everyone, my name is Jonas Cohen, and this is the Deep Health Evolution Podcast, your weekly guide through the maze of confusing and conflicting advice around nutrition, movement and fitness, sleep, stress management, and more. So welcome to part two in our conversation about nutrition. Last time in part one, we talked about some basic nutritional nuts and bolts and why eating right is so confusing and challenging for a lot of us. We talked about how a lot of the food that we eat actually interferes with our body's own natural appetite control. We discussed eliminating certain foods from our diets, perhaps slowly adding them back in and paying attention um, as we do that to how we look and feel and perform just basically being our own scientists in the kitchen. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, no worries. I hope you'll go back and uh, and give it a listen. But in any case, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm really grateful that I get to do these podcasts with Greg, but I don't want to just talk the talk. I want to walk the walk. And I think that it's happening in ways that I wasn't even aware of, you know, I, and I feel that these conversations with him have actually started to seep into my unconscious and into my every, every day without my even realizing it. It is funny because I know um, when Greg and I talked about sleep in a previous podcast, we noted how that that's the time when we're sleeping that our brains download the information they've received during the day. So let me explain what I'm, what I'm talking about here. Um, I'm away right now. I'm staying in a hotel this week, and I have a microwave, a hot plate, a mini fridge, and access to the complimentary hotel breakfast. Now, when I was at home, I was cooking pretty regularly, pretty much, pretty much all the time, actually, and which is a fairly new thing for me, and I love it. Um, but right now, at this hotel with limited access to cooking, it's been really frustrating. I've actually been frustrated that I can't cook all of the time. And that's pretty telling. I mean, just a few months ago, if I go back, say, to October, I would have just thought, well, the heck with it. And I just would have gone out and bought pre-prepared meals and you know made the most of that. But cooking healthy, nutrient-dense meals has somehow become a regular event. And I really miss it. Anyway, my point is the fact that I miss being able to cook the way that I want and trying not to eat what Greg calls garbage is a good sign to me that these talks with Greg are downloading and that I'm getting better at this whole nutrition thing. But what's continued to plague me is my snacking and particularly snacking late into the night. And it's become a very difficult habit for me to break. My body doesn't need to burn fat because I basically taught it to know that it doesn't have to because food is always coming. There's always another snack on the way. But I have to ask myself, is this good for me? To use Greg's verbiage, am I doing something that is deepening my health? Because if I deepen my health now, I'm creating a healthier version of myself years down the road. This is about the long term. This is about being able to retire, so to speak, without any sort of, well, let's let's call it debt, you know? <laughs> I often think of eating junk as overspending on a credit card. 
you know, I'll tell myself, well, it's okay if I buy this expensive item, I'll pay it off later at some point. You know, when the bill comes at the end of the month, maybe. But, you know, that debt will accrue before I know it. And the only way to get rid of that debt is to stop spending and actively work on paying it down and just invest in the future. And what I'm trying to say is the same is true of our nutrition. I can't think it's okay to keep snacking and snacking and accruing all of this debt around my waistline, for example. I have to tune into my body's natural appetite control and do the work. And it probably means, you know, doing movement snacks. It's something that Greg and I talked about in our podcast on mobility a few episodes ago. Just instead of going for a snack, stopping and, you know, do some sit-ups, do some push-ups, do some pull-ups, do some squats, you know, whatever getting some movement instead and then after you've done that stopping and asking yourself do I still really want that snack that might be at least one way to for me to address this issue and I'm going to give that a try this week so in any case um, this second part of our conversation on nutrition focuses on eating for our specific goals Uh, we talk about intermittent fasting creating good eating habits for our kids and there's a section on some so-called nutrition facts So, here we go. So let me ask you this. What should we be eating in terms of carbs, proteins, fats? What should we be eating around our workouts? And Isn't there a a line of thought out there that says that there's an anabolic window after our workouts? There's like 30 minutes where we got to get just the right amount of protein. You know, we should eat carbs before we work out. What do I eat before I, I... We've got most people who are listening are gym goers or want to be gym goers. And so what do I eat when? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is a question that I'm still working on myself. Ah, so, okay. you know, there, there is that idea that there's that, that window of time right after a workout and you'll see people that are in, you know, the gym, the second they finish lifting, they're chugging down their protein drink or whatever they're supposed yes, to they're carrying a little bag of powdered something, which, which is fine. I've been that person, uh-huh. but I would say this, the more specific your goals and the the farther down the fitness road you've gone, like if you're super jacked already and you're trying to find that 1% difference, then, ah. then you need to worry more about that. Otherwise, really, you just need to eat freaking food. Like, you don't need to. I mean, if you're starving in the middle of a workout, then maybe your body is not supplying you with energy. Like, I, I've been that person, too, where... I'm halfway through a workout, I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying of hunger, but now I've changed the way I eat. So my body just taps into fat reserves while I'm working out. I can go until two o'clock in the afternoon and not eat, mm-hmm. work out, hit it really hard, get to the other end of my workout, and I'm still not that hungry. I go home and then I eat my dinner. And that day I only had one meal. And I'm not suddenly withering away to nothing, but I'm again, I'm not trying to be on a stage as like a super okay. freaking giant person with you know i'm not uh, i'm not a bodybuilder so i don't need to worry too much my point is this i think if we get our body working the way it's supposed to work mm-hmm. and we stop worrying about all the little minutiae like ah then we can just look at it from the bigger perspective like you want to be healthy you want to feel good you want to be strong enough to get through your life if you're an athlete then you need to go speak with a dietitian that is specifically working with athletes and knows their shit inside and out now, for the average individual that just wants to, you know, look pretty damn good, feel really good, and perform their life activities, whatever they might be, at a high level without hurting, without with plenty of energy, then 
like we've been saying, you know, eat plenty of vegetables, eat your fruit, eat your, you know, really good sources of protein, whatever they are. Don't overeat. If you eat well, you're not going to overeat. If you cut out processed foods, you won't overeat. And I really don't think that we need to worry that much about it. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm just so busy. I've been on sort of a two meal a day with maybe a little snack oh. because of my lifestyle. But the way I eat, I'm flexible, my metabolism is flexible enough where I'm not dying out in the middle of the afternoon. So I'll eat a pretty damn big breakfast with plenty of fat and protein and some vegetables. And then I'll go throughout the whole day. Maybe I'll bring a little snack with me and it might be like a little can of sardines or something that I can eat if I get really hungry. If I don't get really hungry, then I go all the way to the end of the day, I come home and I'll eat a little bit before dinner even, like mostly just chowing on vegetables and maybe get a little... You know, if there's like a little leftover dinner from the night before, I'll nibble on a little bit of that and then I'll, so I'll eat a big meal and it might be spread out over even a couple hours. So, so there's no one way to do this. We need to figure it out ourselves and okay. you need to listen to your body's energy systems and your hunger. If you're hungry all the time, you're doing something wrong. You're probably eating way too much processed carbohydrate, okay. too much junk, and your metabolic system's broken down. So what if I'm, you know, if I'm working out and I'm, you know, and I'm feeling hungrier, you know, my, I have an increased appetite, I guess I should be eating more and more proteins or more yeah, vegetables I mean, or... Some people maybe have to eat a little, some sort of carbohydrate before a workout because they're dependent on carbohydrates. Hmm you know, because they're eating so much of that as like their main fuel source. Um, so I don't think it's a bad thing. And if that's what's going to get you through the workout, it's like, oh, if I don't eat this, I'm not going to work out because I'm going to be too tired. Well, then you better eat something before. But then maybe look at the big picture. Can we start rearranging how we eat so that we're not so hungry, so you don't go into the workout so hungry? If you work out first thing in the morning, you shouldn't really have to eat anything. You know, you should be able to, I mean, if everything's working well, there shouldn't be a reason, but now if your blood sugar is dysregulated and you know, you're super ravenous and you're lightheaded, then obviously we got to get some carbohydrate in the system to support the workout. What I would aim for is getting to a point where your body isn't so reliant on that meal before in order to get through a workout. And you can do that by, you know, making sure that you eat enough fats, not being fat phobic mm. and eating enough protein. Uh, how much is enough? It's a really good question that's really hard to, you know, it's hard to give everybody this is how much. You know, I think the palm is a great way to go. Like, just measure, like, protein that fits in the size of your palm. So you should, you're not saying that, well, I am X years old and I weigh X amount of pounds and based on that I should be eating X amount of grams of protein, X amount of grams of carbs, X amount of grams of fats. You don't necessarily subscribe mm -hmm. to that way of doing things. You just, you think... Fist size. Fist size. Of, size. Yeah. I mean, the bigger you are, the bigger your palm's going to be and your fist is going to be. Sure. And the more protein you're going to need. The more active you are, probably, like, if you really, if you lift heavy and have an extremely physically demanding life, then you might need a little bit more protein because proteins are what help rebuild tissues. Okay. You also might need a little bit more carbohydrate because carbohydrates are a great source of high-energy fuel. If you're not doing anything that requires super high intensity, then you won't need as much carbohydrate to fuel that. Does that make sense? It does. So if you're not doing things that take your breath away and that leave your legs screaming, you know, like a, a cycling class or intervals or some sort of metabolic conditioning, you know, like doing Tabata drills over and over again, whatever it is, that stuff uses up a lot of muscle glycogen. That's replaced with carbohydrate. And that is an extremely efficient fuel source. So... 
great for high intensity bouts of exercise. The more overweight you are, the closer you are towards, you know, being obese, going towards type 2 diabetes, I would say if that's your case, like let's limit carbohydrates all the way down. Like just maybe look into doing a ketogenic diet for a while. Use it as a tool to get back. They've shown that ketogenic diets and fasting, like intermittent fasting or fasting. Jason Fung, let's put him in the notes, okay. is an expert on fasting and helps people that are obese with diabetes to get back to a healthy living state again. Um, but, you know, the, the more overweight you are, the closer you are to obese or having that type 2 diabetes, the, the less carbohydrate you should eat. And maybe not eat any for a while. Like, I know people are like, ah, what do you mean? You can't live without carbs. You can, actually. Just use vegetables as your main carb source. Eat plenty of protein. That'll help you with hunger. And see your blood sugar start regulating. I just want to say this because I want to clarify this because I think a lot of people don't know this or would agree with this. When we talk about carbs, we are talking about fruit and vegetables. The fruit yeah. and vegetables are not a separate group because yeah. I've heard people say, well, there's protein, there's carbohydrates, there's fats, and there's fruit and vegetables. But I think it's very important, and I, I always wrinkle my brow at this, it drives me sort of crazy. Carbs are fruit and vegetables, yeah. kids. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's a really good point because if you have an issue like type 2 diabetes or obesity, it's not all carbs that we're cutting out. Well, keep there are other kinds greens. of carbs keep besides tons vegetables. Of leafy but... greens. Any vegetable that is above ground is going to have fewer carbohydrates than vegetables that are below ground. So any root vegetables... Wait, wait, say, I say that again. I want to make sure I, that lands in my brain. Vegetables any... like leafy greens, broccoli, cauliflower, things like that that are growing, that are up... Like, we don't eat their roots. Right. But then there are vegetables that we eat that are roots, like potatoes and, you know, all... Carrots. Carrots, like all of those that, that live underground, except for maybe radishes. Uh-huh. So cutting out starchy carbs, if you're diabetic or obese, would be the quickest route to being healthy again. So lower-carb vegetables are the above-ground vegetables. Right. Got it. And the below-ground vegetables, with some exceptions, are the ones that are starchier and more right. carb-heavy. Interesting. Got it. So you mentioned fasting. Let's talk about this. Um, I know a lot of people are interested in this. And let me just to help me to clarify, is the keto diet and the paleo diet, are those two separate things or do those refer to the same thing? They're separate, but they can be combined. Like you can, can eat a ketogenic diet that is, you know, that lives in the construct of a paleo diet. Okay. And uh, intermittent fasting, is that part of both the keto diet and the paleo diet? It is often used in both cases. And the beauty of those diets is that we tend to regulate our hunger much more specifically, so you're, you can fast much easier. So if you're on a, a ketogenic diet, and I tried that for, I guess it was like eight months or so. I, and I'm a good example of someone that went too deeply into it. I'm a little bit too when active. When we first started talking, lean. you were in the yeah. midst of doing it. And I think it's, it's a wonderful approach for certain situations, and as a tool every now and then, ancestrally, our ancestors went in and out of ketosis regularly because sometimes they just wouldn't have food. Right. And you don't have food, and if you fast, you go into ketosis. So if you don't eat food for a while, your body starts producing ketones, which are an amazing fuel source, especially for brain health. And they give you this sense of just, you don't feel as hungry. Um, this is a lot of information. So, yes. So let's back up a bit. So talk to me about fasting. Um, I know what it is. It's mm -hmm. um, not eating. Yeah, it's not eating. Okay. 
We do it every day, by the way. Yeah, right. There are always, you know, there are a few bouts, you know, a few hours here and there. Well, that's what breakfast is, right? It's right, breaking the fast. fast of sleeping. So when you sleep, you're fasting and your body is not digesting food. So what is the intermittent fasting and should we be doing it? And how long should we be doing it? Yeah, I think should is a, a bad word. But, um, <laughs> so Don't shoot on me. I know. I think that it's it's extremely valuable tool, and I th- honestly, yeah, I think that it, it can be used as a tool for all of us for greater health. I definitely believe that everyone could benefit from some intermittent fasting. It doesn't have to be a hard set rule like I have to do this every day. And when we do that, when we start placing it as a responsibility, I got to do this every day, no matter how I feel. Not a good thing. So- if you are already under a lot of stress in your life Mm -hmm. and you're super lean already maybe and this it is a stressor so if you pile that onto a ton of other stress you have it could actually be more detrimental than helpful so you have to already be in a pretty decent state like your stress bucket can't be overflowing already if you're obese diabetic it may be a great tool to get you back to a healthy state faster and basically, like intermittent fasting is the best way to go, I think. Cause and what is that? It's like it's like compressed eating. So you just eat for a certain amount of time during the day. So in other words, you can look at it the other way too. So that you're not eating for 12 hours or 14 hours or 16 hours or whatever works for you. How do you Give your body that break. Well, you determine it by how you feel. Okay. You know, if you can go 16 hours and you feel fine, great. If you start getting really hungry, then eat. And why should we be doing it. There's a lot of research on it and there, there are a few things. The reason that I did it, yeah. autophagy is one. What? I know. And that's like <laughs> opening up another whole a wormhole of information. But basically autophagy is like allowing, let's use the analogy of garbage and um, so garbage pickup and recycling pickup. There's a time when or the street cleaners come through, like right, we have to right. create that space. Yeah for things to be cleaned up. And that's what we're doing in our body. We're okay. creating a moment it. where, okay, our resources are not going to digestion. Oh, we're not doing that. So let's send out the cleaner. So we send out, basically what it is, is the body starts breaking down old proteins, getting rid of them or recycling them to be used to rebuild other proteins. We have cells in our body that are called senescent cells and they're kind of like zombie cells. Like they don't actually have a function anymore. Their DNA is used up and they don't, but they're not dead. And they basically start spewing out inflammation. Hmm. And so what autophagy allows is then we can send in the system that goes in and cleans those up and actually kills those cells and then breaks them down. So they're not a detriment to the environment. So they're not spewing out quote unquote garbage into our system. So intermittent fasting then basically is really a way it's doing a cleanup yeah. from time to time. It's, you know, sporadic. Yeah. That's a, it's a cleanse. Yeah, it's a cleanse of, yeah. of a kind. Yeah. And it gives your, you know, it gives your body a rest from digestion for a moment and help your body start to um, use fats more efficiently as a fuel because there's nothing else being, you know, you, there's no carbohydrate coming into the system. So now there's no fuel coming. And so your body starts creating more enzymes that break fat down more efficiently. So then you can actually work towards becoming more metabolically flexible. So no matter what fuel is available or not available, your body will be able to tap into, you know, it's always available fat source. I think you already you talked about this, but going to repeat it again because my brain didn't get it. So mm-hmm. how long should a fast be? You said it depends on, you yeah, have to sort of try and... No, I mean, it can be anywhere from 12 hours to 24 hours. Right. There's plenty of research showing that 
an extended fast of days, like three or four days, can do wonders for your health. But not everyone's going to do that. Mm. It's not easy to do, um, but it is extremely beneficial from an overall health perspective. Like it can, the cleanup that happens in that time can do wonders for like just overall longevity. You'll live longer, healthier, happier. Your chances of you know ending up with cancer go down dramatically because it breaks down like those those little senescent cells and things all get like wiped out and it's like sort of a it's a it's like a major cleanup of the system do you work, hard to do them do you work I out do. when you when you fast i do yeah and so I you can, can like during like a 12 hour 16 hour oh, 24 yeah. hour i would do 24 hour fast i work out that day do you change do you work out less intensely you may have to it really depends on how your body responds to that my body because it i've done it for so long that and i've been on a ketogenic diet like all these things help my body sort of shift gears to whatever I need at that time. Now, I went too deep into that whole ketogenic thing to the point where I was, I think, catabolizing, like breaking down a lot of, like I got way too skinny. Um, my energy was starting to tank a little bit. It was just too much stress for my body for the lifestyle I had. If I had a much quieter lifestyle where physically I wasn't as active, I probably could have stayed in it for longer. It really depends. With diet, it's so hard because it depends on so many things. Genetics, lifestyle, yeah. how much sleep you get, how active are you, do you have a specific sport? Like You have to look at all of these factors and then work with a profession, someone that knows their stuff better than we do, and can help you plan it. Now, you, I think if you're going to look for a dietitian or a nutritionist, Find someone who's keeping up to date with current research. Like, for example, if you ask them about a ketogenic diet and they say it's dangerous, I would walk away from that because mm -hmm. that's BS. It's not dangerous. It really depends on the context, right? Yeah. It could be dangerous for someone, but for another person, it might save their life. So you need to go to someone that's one got an open mind. They're not just buying into one way. Again, it's like, you know, like the wine board is telling you that you yes. know, wine is great for you. You know, there might be some agenda. Maybe maybe yeah. that particular person has had specific issues uh, or seen people have specific issues from doing a keto diet. Right. And that's where they're coming from. You just have to sort of filter it out for well, them. And they may just be going with their education that they got from the university they went to. And they haven't kept up with current research. So they're very, you know, our egos are a big problem too. Our egos have agenda. They protect <laughs> what we know. And yeah. if you have someone that's just protecting what they know, as opposed to being open to Oh, maybe, you know, what we knew back then when I was in college, now we know more. So let me like, let me go dig into the current approaches and research and see, you know, what's changed. Because if you're not keeping up and you're going with the old paradigm, then we're just going to be, you know, banging our heads against the wall. We're not going to move. Well, this is bringing me to, uh, I think, a very important section in our talk today. Um, I have compiled a bunch of, I think, nutritional myths. Okay. And I want you to tell me, like, I guess, you know, help me debunk these. <laughs> All right, let's see what we can do. Um, and this first one is goes right along with what we're talking about, so I think I already know what you're going to say about this. And remember, what I have to say is my opinion, yes. not the end-all be-all, so let's okay. make that very clear. Yes, please, this is not the Bible. Okay, there's one perfect diet for fat loss. <laughs> well, the best diet is the one that works for you and that helps you lose fat. <laughs> so if a diet is helping you manage your appetite and you're not always hungry and you're not overeating all the time, then that's the right diet. Carbs or fats make your body gain fat? Both. 
<laughs> so I can get I can get fatter by fat eating carbs <laughs> if you eat too much of it. You know, it's funny. I read about this uh, something really interesting. A, a study that was done that a relatively fit guy did this experiment where he ate it was eighteen hundred calories, but he mm. only ate like Doritos and the Twinkies. Twinkie yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Twinkie yeah. diet. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Can you talk about that? A little I don't bit? really know much about it, but it, it's disgusting. <laughs> well, I think it was just an experiment that he ate like a certain amount of calories right. on the, the Twinkie diet and he had actually lost oh, yeah. weight doing it. But the point was, is the fact that he was, it's still, it was a restricted, it was yeah. still a restrictive kind of, kind yeah. of diet. So to your point, carbs and fats, can make you fat, right? Or not, just depending right. on the. And horrible food can help you lose weight, but losing weight isn't the key. It's ah. it shouldn't be the goal. Being healthier should be the goal. So if you eat, <laughs> don't to talk be healthy, crazy, Greg. I know. If you eat to freaking deepen your health, mm. everything else will fall into place. But if you eat just to lose weight, you may end up doing the wrong thing that ends up hurting you. Oh, I lost weight. Great. Now I'm skinny and I'm broken and sick, and my bone density's dropped. And like, there's so many bad things that can happen if we come at it from the wrong angle and that's what I was talking about ego too getting in the way like oh I need to look a certain way mm. and it, you need to feel a certain <laughs> way you need to take care of your body and your brain eat foods that are going to deepen your health and everything else will work its way out I love that have to buy into that otherwise you know I mean there are plenty of people that are so skinny that they're like walking dead and I'm sorry if you know I mean that that's a whole other story that we I, I don't want to open that one. <laughs> Here's another one. Um, your metabolism slows down as you age. Okay. <laughs> Is it true or false? It certainly can, yes, it does. I mean, it changes. So continue to be active. Lift weights. Get out there and maintain muscle mass. Getting those that neat... Stay don't think that running is your way to stay in shape. Running is not bad, but that like cardiovascular conditioning, in my opinion, should be a little ways up the pyramid, the base of that pyramid should be mobility and strength training. Muscle is the key to staying healthy for longer. Strong legs especially, strong legs. Like maintaining muscle mass is key because as we get older, our muscle mass drops quickly. So uh. maintain that and you know, eat the way we've been talking about, like eat healthy. Well, do our, does our nutrition need to change as we get older? Are our metabolism slowing down and should we be changing our diet in order to adjust, no. be an adjustment to our, our age and our metabolism? You can't get away with as much. So you can't mess around. You can't be like, oh, I'm just gonna eat this today. And then you eat that junk the same, the next day. And you're eating like pints of Ben and Jerry's that you got away with when you were 20. It's not gonna work when you're 50. Mm. So you gotta, you do need to dial in and be a little bit more serious about eating, you know, the way we talked about in the beginning, eating, you know, earth grown whole foods, plenty of vegetables, enough protein. Watch your carb intake according to how active you are. I love this. It's like, not as hard as I think it is. No, it's super freaking simple. We just gotta, yeah. Tell me this. Uh, here's another <laughs> possible myth. Smaller, more frequent meals boost your metabolism for weight loss. <laughs> Try it. Oh man. Yeah, great. So it's boosting your metabolism, but you're eating food. So it's not going like that little burst that you might get because your metabolism does go up when you eat, but you're eating calories. So you're you're just boosting it up just to take care of that. It's it's a myth. I would say that okay. it's not a bad thing to eat multiple meals. Like some people, maybe that is the best way to go. For mm -hmm. other people, you eat one meal a day, their metabolism doesn't suddenly tank. They're not suddenly like getting, no, it doesn't work that simply. Okay. It's much more complex than that. If you eat more fat, you'll burn more fat. Is that true? I hope so, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I used to think that, you know, if you ate more fat, your body would get better at metabolizing fat. Now, I would say that if you change the ratio so that you're not eating tons of carbs, because if you're eating, generally, if you eat more fat, you're going to eat fewer carbs. Because mm -hmm. you balance, that's where the balance, generally ah. protein stays about the same. Sure. Carbs and fat go up and down. So when fat goes up, hopefully carbs come down a little bit. If carbs go up, fat comes down a little bit. So when I went on a ketogenic diet, I started eating a ton more fat. Mm -hmm. I lost weight and I didn't have any weight to lose. Interesting. So I think there may be, and this is, you know, I don't know that they've really figured that out. Some people will claim in the keto community that, you know, if you eat fat more regularly, then your body actually starts producing more fat metabolizing enzymes. So your body is more capable of breaking fats down as fuel. So it may, big mm -hmm. question mark around may, be a a way to teach your body to metabolize fat more efficiently. Interesting. But it still doesn't mean that you can eat tons of fat and get away with, you know, you can't overeat anything and hope that, you know, that you don't get fat. Like if you eat too much mm -hmm. and you don't spend enough, in the end, it's not really that simple. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, oh, my brain is spinning when, when we get into these conversations because calories do matter, but they also don't matter. Because if you're eating really well, then, your body's natural neural regulation of appetite kicks in, so you don't overeat. So in a sense, you can eat as much as you want because you won't want to eat as much mm -hmm. if you get to a balanced point where your metabolism in your body is healthy. Um, here's another one. Supplements will make you burn fat, build muscle, can help you detox. Is that true? I would say that for the most point, to the audience that I think that we're speaking to, you really don't need to worry about supplements until you get everything else taken care of. So spend all of your energy and money on really good foods. The best supplements, the most studied supplement is like creatine, which for vegans actually might be a good idea because they're not getting any creatine because they're not eating any meat. Um, but creatine is, a, I think, a wonderful supplement that has been bashed and also celebrated by many. And it's probably the most safe supplement out there that can help everything from brain uh, health to muscle growth. So, but for the most point, we should not worry about supplements and we should not be spending a lot of money on that next little thing that's supposed to suddenly make your brain work like, you know, a genius or, you know, help you burn fat. Like, don't worry about fat burning supplements because none of that shirt <laughs> more than just getting your diet in alignment. Like, that's where it should be at. Like, put all of your energy into getting the important, like, boring. That's the problem. Is like just eating correctly, figuring that out. Mm -hmm. It's kind of boring to most people. It's like, oh, I can go and get a supplement. I take that and I feel better. Oh my God, that's so great. It's like, no, food should be your go to supplement. So, you know, I was just going to ask you, so just uh, there's a quick side note. Um, so, you know, what about in terms of supplements? What about like protein powders? Do you use protein pa or protein bars? I those? think they can be all right. You know, I, I, I think there's a lot of good in whey protein for vegetarians. Maybe like um, hemp protein is probably what I would go for. So you for. wouldn't necessarily say plant or animal-based proteins yeah. are one is better yeah. than the other? And I love collagen too, like getting collagen, powdered collagen, pouring that in my shakes. That stuff is supposed to, that and gelatin also, like pouring that stuff is a major component of gut health. Like that, that's a great way to increase your gut health. So there are certain quote-unquote supplements that are just basic foods that are broken down like right, ways, right. you know. Are there pros and cons to plant-based proteins versus animal proteins? 
I think animal proteins generally are going to give you more bang for the buck right off the bat. But, you know, if you're a vegetarian or that gotcha. pro animal protein somehow you have a reaction to it, obviously, then that's not going to work for you. Because some people don't um, metabolize whey all that well. Mm. So you just have to find the one that works well for you. And it's not a bad, you know, in the moment for, like, I don't have time to make a meal. Great, then go ahead and do that. Okay. But don't use that as, like, your go-to because you think it's better than eating real food. So another myth, because we've already sort of touched on this. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. For some. <laughs> <laughs> It depends. Because some people can... You, you it's can, not that magical. I've heard it said that you can or you should work out on an empty stomach in the morning, that you get yeah. better results from that. Yeah, you know, and, you know, from a hormonal perspective, you might get more of a burst of... Some people claim that, you know, your HGH, human growth hormone, mm. surge goes up if you're, you know, working out fasted, especially high-intensity intervals fasted. You get a stronger release of testosterone and human growth hormone which could be amazing for you. But, you know, it really comes down to, like, are you going to do the workout fasted or not? Mm -hmm. If you're like, oh, I'm fasted, but I'm so tired, I can barely work out, and then your workout suffers, then maybe you should eat, you know. Gotcha. If you wake up in the morning and you're not hungry, don't eat just because somebody told you breakfast was the most important meal. Don't eat if you're not hungry. Go until lunch. Then you've intermittent fasted, and you've gained maybe some benefits from that. So for me, it's become important because I like to not have to pack anything in my bag for lunch. Yeah, yeah. So I eat a big breakfast, and then I go throughout most of my day without eating hardly anything, and then I eat dinner. Interesting. Is that for everyone? No. It may be for, you know, work really well. Because you got to look at it from a convenience perspective, too, as long as it's not hurting you. Yeah. And for me, it doesn't seem to be hurting me. I just, I feel great. and You look pretty good. You're a fit guy. Um, I was fishing for that. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. Um... You shouldn't eat carbs past 6 p.m. Yeah. That's... <laughs> You're, like, disgusted. I mean, it depends on what time you go to bed. You don't want to eat right before you go to bed. Like, we yeah, we think... talked about this when we did the sleep podcast. Yeah, I think that, you know, there should be a couple hours before you go to bed. Carbs at night, I think, are great. And for many people, that'll increase serotonin production, which makes you feel good and perhaps makes you, helps you relax a little bit and could even help people fall asleep and sleep better. Um, so carbohydrates at night are fine. Um, you know, carbs aren't, like, if you're saying, oh, shouldn't eat carbs after six, but you can eat protein or fat or anything else, like, yeah. that's silliness. So it's okay. I mean, like, some From people, my perspective. Well, and some people are not breakfast people, and right. so, so they prefer to eat more later in the day. And But I think from what you were saying now and from what you've said in the, I've heard you say in the past, is it's just a, simply a matter of, it's okay to not eat breakfast and if you're going to eat most of your meals at night that's okay as long as it's not like an hour two hours or you give yourself maybe even i think you said three hours before yeah. you go into I bed don't always. i mean for me it's probably about two hours generally mm. one to two hours i don't always you know because just the way the day works i want to get to bed early too so that's another part of the problem i yeah it's it's, it's not that simple and it's not that important either like the carbohydrate thing at the end of the day for me works better I said this earlier in this podcast. Like I would, I would say, don't eat carbs until later in the day, because the potential for it to start this roller coaster ride of blood sugar up and down and up and down. So if you eat carbohydrates in the morning, yeah, your blood sugar is going to shoot up. It will come down, and you'll probably get hungry faster than if you just ate a protein, fat-rich, vegetable 
breakfast in the morning. So we, it could be an omelet, like an omelet, let's say you tolerate cheese. So you have a cheese omelet with a bunch of vegetables in it and you cook it in a bunch of you know, grass-fed butter or olive oil or something. So mm -hmm. it's, it's got a good amount of fat, maybe put some avocado in there. Really good amount of fat, a good amount of protein, and then tons of vegetables, let's say. Eat that, you will last much longer before you're hungry again than if you ate the typical cereal breakfast. Waffles, pancakes. Yeah. like super bagels, sugary, sweet, yeah. English muffins. Yeah, and that, the only reason we eat that stuff is marketing, I think. Yeah. I don't think that, you know, there's no benefit to that food. Like, you don't have to start your day with Wheaties, you know, Wheaties, <laughs> uh, that used to be the food, right? You gotta like, oh, he must have eaten his Wheaties, he's can ass today. Yeah. It's like, no. <laughs> You'd be better off with eggs and bacon, honestly. All right, that's all the that's all that I have on that. So, um, yeah, <laughs> we, we did it. Um, is there anything else on nutrition that you want to touch on that we haven't talked about today? Um, that we haven't talked about today. Because hmm. there's, I, I mean, it's, it no. it's such a big topic. We I could know. we could totally delve. I mean, I just want to say this right now is that what the takeaways that I'm getting here are. You have to be willing to be a scientist of your own body. While it's so tempting to want to have somebody just tell me what to eat, you have, you know, eat nutrient-dense foods, you know, good solid proteins, fruit and vegetables. All naturally nuts. occurring. Yeah, and cut out the processed stuff. And then it actually seems to me, to be, as because I consider myself a type A personality, I'd love to have like a very specific diet plan. Right. I'm going to eat this, then this, and this, and this, and these specific times. But it actually is more fun to be less restrictive and, you know, and just try things out. And that may be, let me eliminate a bunch of stuff for 30 days yeah. and, you know, and then slowly add things back in and see that the experimenting can be more fun than being uh, a slave to some diet that I find online yeah. or even in a book that, that I read. And, you know, there's plenty of great information out there and there's a lot of misinformation. It's just a matter of, though, of just sort of trying things out, being willing and open to try things out. Yeah. And, yeah, and eating should make you feel good. You should feel good, but we got to differentiate between feeling good and being addicted well, to an experience, right? What you said about we should be eating to deepen our health. Just like you said, you know, we should be moving to yeah. deepen our health. We should be sleeping to deepen our health. And yeah. that should be like a banner that we yeah. put up somewhere. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the key. And, you know, God, it's so hard. I think that, you know, one more thing I would like to add is, you know, parents. I see this all the time where parents suddenly are like, realize that they need to change how they eat because they're a freaking health wreck. And mm. they change and then they keep feeding their kids the same crap. Mm. Or parents have the kid meal and then the adult meal. Yeah. There shouldn't be a freaking difference between these two. <laughs> and it really pisses me off. I, you know, and I'm just speaking from my perspective of it. Like this is the way I see it as like being a parent. I right. know how As hard it is sometimes. Because your kids don't seem happy sometimes when you don't give them what they want. Did you but have problems? What? Did Soleil have a have a thing where she only wanted chicken nuggets and never because we never gave her any that kind <laughs> of stuff. Chicken nuggets. <laughs> we always fed her what we ate because we knew and we were eating the best foods we knew. We were eating the best way we knew to eat. Even so, when you were sleep deprived and stressed and trying to raise yeah, it. And, and, and I mean, we, don't get me wrong. We gave her some crappy food back in the day. It was the healthiest crappy processed food possible. But okay. as we learned, 
oh, this isn't really good for kids. Yeah. Like, I should stop feeding them goldfish, even though it's the organic version with no, you know, additives or whatever. <laughs> it's still garbage. It's yeah. still that junk carb. We feed them because they're like, oh, they love it because it has that mouthfeel. It has hyper palatability, right? Quiets them down for a bit. It's been designed to make your mouth do jumping jacks for joy. <laughs> like, yeah, this is the food. And then our kids get hooked on it, and then you don't give it to them. Guess what? They cry. And then when they cry, you feel like they don't love you as much, or whatever it is that we feel as a parent when our kids are upset. So we're just not strong enough sometimes to go, you know what? I'm going to suffer through them suffering until they're eating what they need to be eating. And I yeah. know plenty of people and I, who I love dearly who are feeding their kids crap yeah. food. It's like, guess what? If you feed them crap, you're setting them up for ill health down the road. Like, it's not somehow magically going to work out. Unless they finally get old enough and go, oh, God, why have I been eating this junk? Like, they start making that connection. Like, I feel and look this way because of what I'm eating hmm. and how I sleep and how I move and all that other stuff because it's all <laughs> working together. But it just killed me when parents suddenly realize, oh, I need to change the way I eat, and they don't follow through and change the way the kids. Again, and I'm going to say this again, I think we, there's another a big takeaway here. We started off with this is about being a good parent, um, being the best parent you can be. I, I'm not a parent, so f forgive me, but you know, it's being a parent to your own child and setting them up for good, healthy habits down the road. And then also, again, being willing to be a parent for yourself rather than looking for mm -hmm. someone to parent you, you know, and, and telling you what is the best thing for right. you to eat and when to eat it. You've got to be willing to parent yourself in terms of what to eat and when and how yeah. much and all of that. Yeah, you can get guidelines for from people like myself and I mean the people that I look to like Rob Wolf is a huge one. Chris Cresser is another one. Chris Cresser, um, I hadn't heard you mention. What's is he an author? He's um, a naturopath that Fatima has actually gone to see for certain health issues. Mm -hmm. Who has an amazing perspective and understanding of diet and health and the whole gamut basically. But there's a lot of really great people out there that really have a much deeper understanding than I do. But so find somebody to follow and then get guidelines, like use some of the guidelines that we spoke of today, and then start finding your own way. Like, there is no one way, because um, we all have our own issues, we are all built differently, sure. and we all respond to foods differently. Um, I would definitely recommend picking up Rob Wolf's book, the uh, Wired to Eat book. I think as a, for those of you that are looking for a starting point, like pick that up, it's so educational, so fun to read, I love his way of um, communicating crazy, you know, deep, scientific understanding of how we work <laughs> in regards to how we eat and sleep and move like he looks at the whole picture too and and he's got a, an amazing system it starts with like a 30-day reset which we spoke about right? right and then a seven-day carb test so you actually get to look and see like try different carbohydrates and you actually get to see with a blood glucose meter how your body responds to different carbohydrates and if it responds well, then keep it in. If it responds horribly, then take that out. Wow. I'm going to have to pick that up myself. Yeah. That sounds really that, great. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I think we've definitely, uh, we've covered a lot of ground and, uh, and I'm, I'm grateful that we had this yeah. talk. You know, it, it's interesting. It just, it has me really, again, has me excited. I thought that I would come away with, okay, step one, step two, step three. But I was looking forward to that. And instead, what I have is have some fun around this. 
you know, it's actually more fun to <laughs> not be a slave to step one, step two, yeah. step three. And know that you can change your health in an amazing way by just being more mindful of how you eat, yeah. paying attention to, you know, the big picture. And yeah, I mean, you have the power within you to create deeper health and come out the other side. And you might need some help from a, a professional, you know? Sure. But first, start out simple. Just make one change. Maybe just add something really good to your diet that's not there and see what happens. Great. Thank you, sir. Great talk. Ooh, thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. And that right there is going to bring us to the end of this conversation on nutrition. Now, I know that everyone who's listening is at a different point with their nutrition. And again, neither Greg or myself are experts or nutritionists. But I'd like to take a moment just to reiterate some of the things that Greg said at the end of the episode. First off, you know, it's, it's a great idea to start being more mindful of how you eat and how it's affecting the big picture. And second, start finding your own way because there is no one way. You know, we're all on different paths and what works for one person is because our bodies are so different is not necessarily going to work for the next. You know, and one way of starting might be Rob Wolf's book, uh, Wired to Eat, which Greg mentioned, and I'll put that in the show notes. That might be an excellent starting point for some. Or, as Greg said, start by finding the one change that you can make. Try adding something really good to your diet just to see what happens. And, and I'd like to add another thought, maybe try taking a, away one thing that you know isn't so good and see what happens. You know, Regardless, whichever choice you make, just by taking one step, you're bound to notice a difference in yourself, either in how you look, how you perform, but also in how you feel about yourself because you took control and you made a choice. And that invariably leads to the next good choice and the next and the next and so on and there's something really powerful in that in the next episode we'll focus on another of the five tenets of health and wellness and that's stress management so i hope you tune in then as always in order to help both you the listeners and ourselves find a better state of health and well-being let us hear from you tell us about your successes your challenges leave us a comment please share this podcast on social media and ask any questions you'd like addressed by writing to us at greg cook at deep healthevolution.com. That's G-R-E-G-G-C-O-O-K. Or find us on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash deephealthevolution. That's all one word. And you can also visit the website at deephealthevolution.com. We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or on Google Play Music. And if you like what you hear, please take a moment and write us a review. Thanks very much, everybody. See you next week.